0: Um, This is part of our service where we we spend time looking at the scripture and uh, because we want to know Jesus more and one of the ways we can know him more is to spend time in his word and we've been looking through um, John's gospel. We've started this series some time ago and uh, it's actually a few weeks since uh, we were in Uh, John's Gospel because of various activities and visitors that we've had. And we're up to um, chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles with you and you'd like to follow the reading, it's John chapter 7, reading verse 1 to to 31. But just in in way of uh, a little recap, John's Gospel is uh, the last gospel to be written. And John, you know, was a disciple of Jesus John is an evangelist. And he writes his gospel for this purpose. He actually tells us the purpose. He says in chapter 20, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe, that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, Lord, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It's interesting to note that John focuses on the ministry of Jesus in Jerusalem. The other Gospels have a lot of focus of Jesus in Galilee. But John, 80% of his Gospel is centered in Jerusalem. And is centered around the feasts. Passover, he mentions three Passovers that Jesus is connected with, the third one when Jesus dies on the cross. But there are other feasts of Pentecost, Tabernacles, dedication. And in it all, John is describing them because Jesus fulfills every single one of them. And the motives to motifs to look out in, for in this reading is the time is not yet right the time and the word time it's only used here once by John that Jesus says it he uses it in the context not of chronos time what's the time of day, the time of month he says this time is kairos which is the moment has not yet come be Uh, listening out for that as we read this passage together. We're entering the last six months of Jesus' ministry here on earth in chapter 7 of John's Gospel. We'll tell you what he focuses on in his Gospel. So let's read together John chapter 7 from verse 1. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposely staying away from Judea because of the Jews who were waiting for him to take his life. But when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea, so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, The right time for me has not yet come. For you, any time is right. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify to what it does is evil. You go to the feast, I'm not yet going up to the feast because for me, the right time has not yet come. Having said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the feast, he also went, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the feast, the Jews were watching for him and asking, Where is that man? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, He's a good man. Others said, No, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the Jews. Not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, How did this man get such learning without having studied? Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. He who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself but he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You're demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who's trying to kill you? Jesus said, I did one miracle and you were all astonished. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a child on the Sabbath. Now if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing the whole man on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances. Make a right judgment. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly, and they're not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ? But we know where this man is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he's from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his time had not yet come. Still many in the crowd put their faith in him. They said, When the Christ comes, will he do more miraculous signs than this man? And uh, this sermon... Message is part one of two. We're going to finish the Feast of Tabernacles next week because there is too much in it. And there's the, the most wonderful bit coming next week. So if you're around next week, come. It's brilliant next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that in your word we see Jesus and we hear Jesus. And we pray that by your spirit, You would speak to each of us by your word this morning. That we would be a people molded by your word and by your spirit. Word and spirit together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Politics is a funny old business. My youngest niece recently stood for head girl at her primary school. Her campaign manifesto was Better Toilets. And when you think that she went to the same school I did, primary school in Hitchin, and the toilets have not changed in over, well, nearly 40 years, not quite 40 years, you'll know why she stood on that ticket. She was elected deputy head girl, I think, as the enforcer, really. I asked her when I saw her whether she had thought of any sweeteners, you know, and she said, well, last year, a girl running for head girl um, offered lollipops to everybody, you know, and thought she'd get in on that ticket, but unfortunately it backfired because she didn't have enough lollipops to go round, and everyone who didn't get a lollipop voted against her. (laughs) So there was going to be none of that in her campaign. But politics can be a tricky and expensive business. To become president of the United States of America, President Obama, and he's uh, not uh, alone in this, spent, raised three quarters of a billion dollars on his nomination and election campaigns, and that's normal in American politics. Three quarters of a billion dollars. That's a lolly lollipops. In this passage, we have an interesting incident where the brothers of Jesus think that he's running for some kind of office. And they say to him, why don't you go to the feast? Why don't you go now, show yourself, do a couple of miracles, you'll get a crowd, you'll get a following. Anyone who wants to become a public figure doesn't stay in secret. And Jesus has to say to them... It's not the right time. And John helpfully just adds when he describes that situation that they were not yet believers in Jesus. We don't often think about Jesus' other brothers, Mary and Joseph's other children, his younger brothers. And to imagine how difficult it might have been for them seeing and hearing their older brother doing the things he did, saying the things he did, and they didn't believe. They would later come to believe. James, one of his brothers, would become the leader of the early church. If you read through Acts, about chapter 20, James emerges as the leader in Jerusalem. He has come to believe that his brother is God himself. In the flesh. But families are notoriously difficult to witness to, aren't they? I don't know about you. I was the last to become a Christian in my family. That's the easiest route, I guess. Be the last one. Be the one they're all gunning for at the end. <laughs> Firstly, my eldest brother Tim became a Christian, and I, he was my hero because he was the. I was a bit of a rebel, but just in terms of, you know, teenage rebellion he'd done it properly I won't tell you all the story about him but then he became a Christian out in Brazil and he phoned me up and helpfully told me I was going to hell unless I believed in Jesus (laughs) not the most subtle approach of evangelism but then my other brother became a Christian my sister became a Christian my mum and dad had made an agreement with God that when I became a Christian they would leave and go back to Brazil to be missionaries and the moment that I became a Christian, what joy when I said, I've become a Christian. They said, yep, yeah, bye, we're leaving. <laughs> Hermie was the last, no, the first in your family to become a Christian. With Five sisters, mum and dad, but all of them have professed faith in Jesus. But it's not always easy to witness to your family because they'll say, oh, you think you're better than us. We know what you're really like. You've been brainwashed. Ever ever heard any of those? It's really difficult, isn't it? And Jesus experienced the same thing, rejection from his own family. But he says, my time has not yet come. He talks of not going to Jerusalem because of the death threats, and they just laugh, death threats. (laughs) What are you on about? They just scoff at him. Jesus will not be forced. It is not the right time. And he uses this word, Kairos, it's not the right moment for me. There will come a moment, but this is not it. And he won't be forced into act. Even when the crowds wanted to make him king by force. Remember when he fed the 5,000 and the crowds wanted to make him king and he withdrew. It's not what he was about. But then it's quite funny because when they go, he then says, or John tells us, then Jesus went. But he went quietly to the feast. The Feast of Tabernacles, one of the most popular feasts. Jerusalem would be packed with pilgrims, tens of thousands of people. It lasted for a week. Sort of September, October time, about this time. It was the Harvest festival. Remembering God's provision for the people of God in the wilderness. How God had led them throughout that time to the promised land. How he had tabernacled with them, with the tent of meeting. He went before them, fire and smoke. And he was with them. And in remembrance of that, this festival that lasted about a week, they would set up tents and booths and shelters. And it was a sort of precursor to new wine, and, or Glastonbury, depending on which one you go to. And there was a focus on light and water, which we'll come back to next week, symbolizing the day when God's Spirit would be poured out at the coming of the kingdom of God. It was a festival that looked to the coming of the new covenant. When God would not just dwell in the midst of his people, but he would be in their hearts. As the prophets had foretold. A new covenant. And the amazing thing is that God himself is standing right in front of them. The fulfillment of the feast is right in front of them and they can't see. But Jesus goes to the feast. We're told that the authorities were looking for him. Last time when he was in Jerusalem, he'd healed a paralyzed man. But he'd healed him on the Sabbath. So he was in confrontation with the religious authorities. And among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. He's a good man. Others say he deceives people brainwashes them. People say the same today. I'm Predicting on the next Alpha course, someone will say, Jesus is just a good man. Or actually, this is all a deception. And we're told that not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and began to teach. And when Jesus teaches, people are amazed at his teaching and authority. If you were just to go and read the words of Jesus, you would be amazed at his teaching. If you compare him to any other religious leader, philosopher, The cleverest people that you can imagine that have ever lived on this planet compare their words to the words of Jesus and he stands alone. He says the kind of things that only God would say. And they ask the question, how did he get to be so wise? This carpenter from Nazareth not even been to Bible college and he tells them, my teaching comes from the one who sent me. I don't speak on my own, I speak the words of my father. And if you choose, this is a key verse 17, if you choose to do God's will you will discover my teaching comes from God, isn't that interesting? If you choose to do God's will you will discover that my teaching comes from God. What he means is, if you seek God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, you will know who I am. Because if you seek God like that, you will find me. Because he's the one who's made the promise. I was speaking to Eddie Lyle and he's coming in October to speak here. Eddie Lyle it heads up open doors. Uh, serving the persecuted church, and he was telling me about the amount of imams in the Muslim world who are coming to faith in Jesus because they are dreaming about Jesus. Amazing encounters with Jesus. Imams finding their room in their house filled with a light that they cannot understand. Just a glorious light, and Jesus reveals himself to them. I believe it's because they're seeking God. Because if you're seeking truth, if you're seeking after God, he is found in Jesus. And he wants to be found. There are amazing stories coming out of Syria right now. The Holy Spirit presencing himself in that awful place of destruction and suffering. You cannot be indifferent to Jesus. He is too important. That's why we begin the Alpha course with who is Jesus. It's it's about him. I've heard of places that start another course and they say, is there a God? And they do 10 weeks on is there a God? Well, he's Jesus. Jesus reveals the Father to us. We wouldn't know that there was a Father unless Jesus had revealed him to us. The world does not expose Jesus. Jesus exposes the world. That's why in this passage, Jesus is quite stark, isn't he? He says, the world hates me, because I expose what it does is evil. The world left to itself, without God, Disintegrates, falls apart, evil abounds. We see it on our television screens. We see it in our own nation. Where God is pushed out, evil abounds. The world doesn't expose Jesus, Jesus exposes the world. The world doesn't get to judge Jesus as if we make a sort of judgment on Jesus. He judges the world. He made it. And he has come to save the world. And in the clashes with the religious authorities, he exposes their empty religion. They love their religion more than that they love God himself. They love the law supposedly, more than they love God, but they don't keep the law. They put God in a box. I mean, that's a disaster, putting God in a box, in a building. Yet the history of Christendom is that we put him in boxes. We even call them churches. Churches, the people of God, the redeemed. He exposes their love for religion, but he says, You can't even keep it. You criticize me for healing a man on the Sabbath, yet you yourself don't keep the law. I heal a whole man, and you criticize me. Yet you would circumcise a child on the Sabbath because it fulfills the law, but it breaks two other laws. If you look into it. So into their midst. God has come. The word made flesh. Made his dwelling among us. Why is it the fulfillment of this feast? Because Jesus tabernacles among us. God himself has pitched his tent among us. He has come in the flesh. As a human being. To reveal himself to humankind. God with us. Emmanuel and then there's various arguments about the Messiah it's so funny that Jesus would be standing in the temple courts preaching and teaching and then there'll be discussions about it. well he can't be the Messiah we know where he's from and when the Messiah comes we don't know where he's from there was some sort of common belief that the Messiah would burst on the scene supernaturally, mysteriously dull He has. But not in the way they were expecting. And the scriptures were so clear. He would be born in Bethlehem. Yes, he would be brought up in Nazareth. And out of Galilee a light would shine. We read it every Christmas that we would be a light to the Gentiles. They don't even know their own scriptures. We don't know where the Messiah will come from. And Jesus goes for it, doesn't he? Yes, he, yeah, you, you know me. You know me? And you know where I'm from? I think he says it in an ironic way. They don't know him at all. You think you know me, but you don't know the one who sent me. And this is what really upsets them because Jesus says, You don't know God because if you knew God, you would recognize me. He's saying that to the religious leaders. You don't know God because if you knew God, you would recognize me because my Father sent me. It's not that you know God and aren't sure of me it's that you don't know god and can't recognize me that's the christian message isn't it if you want to know god we look at jesus i had an interesting discussion this week with two jehovah's witnesses and they always call on me i and you know i sit and do my work and my study looking right up the and i see them coming from a hundred yards <laughs> and i must admit i kind of get nervous I kind of go through a whole, whole thing of thoughts. Not now. Why now? Why me? <laughs> Can't they see that I'm the Baptist minister? It's on the sign. I reckon they think, oh, this will be good. This will be a challenge. And it's always stalemate. And I talk about Jesus... They they go off on when I say well it comes down to Jesus doesn't it let's, let's forget all that bit it comes down to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They ask their front up question. I'm sorry I'm going off front up question this time was have you got everything you need? I said yes thank you very much. <laughs> and they were a bit shocked by that. I said I have Jesus it's all I need. Oh, and then we spent the next 15 minutes. And then we parted company. They are lost in the religiousness of it all. They don't know Jesus. They don't know God. Because if they knew God, they would recognize Jesus. And they're lost. But they think they're found. But they cannot see. It needs to be just a miracle of revelation. How could you say no to Jesus if you were seeking God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? He is Jesus. Incensed at this accusation, Jesus is accused not just of being a lawbreaker and a troublemaker, but a blasphemer. And at the end of the day, that's what they call him on, blasphemy. And they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. You can't lay a hand on him. It's not the right time. But encouragingly, verse 31, still many others in the crowd put their faith in him. My experience is that people are always divided about Jesus. Some will believe. And others will reject. And that's the options available. No middle ground. And at the next great feast, the Passover, it'll be the right time. And at that time, the crowds will be stirred and they will call for his crucifixion and they will nail him to the cross, but it's the right time. And Jesus will die on the cross for the sins of the world, yours and mine, because it's the right time. And he gives himself to that. God himself, crucified for us. He gives himself. And then the Father raises him from the dead on the third day. Which is why we're here today. Jesus is alive. Our faith is founded on this. The death and resurrection of Jesus. That's why we're Christians. Because we believe in Jesus as the saviour of the world, that he died and that he rose again. Let's never lose that. That's the basis for our faith. Whatever our day-to-day walk with God and our encounters with God and the circumstances of our lives and whether we feel God's far away or nearby or whatever, Jesus died and rose from the dead and is coming again. That's our faith. And whether we're in Syria as brothers and sisters or whether we're in Chipping Camden, that's our faith. That's what we base on. What we stand on? We don't understand it all. For sure, we don't understand it all. And I've got lots of questions I want to ask. But I believe that Jesus died and he rose again and that is good enough for me. Jesus is the king. And he's coming again. And he invites us into his kingdom now. Sin's forgiven. If you've come this morning burdened with sin, leave it before you go. Leave it at the foot of the cross before you go. If it's the same thing that you've struggled with again and again in your life, leave it. But then ask someone to pray with you. We're focusing on mentoring this year. I encourage everyone in the church to sign up for being either a mentor or to be mentored by somebody. It is so important in our discipleship. John, throughout his gospel, just permeating the whole thing, is we do not get to decide who Jesus is. We don't decide who Jesus is. We get the opportunity to respond to who he is. And on that response rests eternity. Jesus says, come follow me. Come follow me. That's what it means. Choose to trust. Walk with Jesus. Sometimes we want to have that Damascus Road experience where actually we don't have to go out in faith. But as if it would all pre If you read through the account of Paul, the Apostle Paul coming to faith, the Damascus Road was just one part of that. And also what God asked him to do after it. Those events are rare because God has already revealed himself. Would you believe and follow Jesus? Would you, as John says, the reason why he writes this gospel, that you would continue to believe in Jesus. Some of you are giving up. It is not time to give up. It is time to get going. Run the race marked out for you. Live for Jesus. Who else are you going to live for? Yourself? Others? Live for Jesus. We can make a difference in this world. This is our time to make a difference. I read this week that Adolf Hitler would not have Christians in his inner circle. Because he knew that their allegiance was to Jesus above everyone else. And he wanted people around him whose allegiance was to him alone. I just found that so interesting. He would not have Christians around him. Because he knew that Jesus was more important to them. Do people around you know that Jesus is more important to you? Perhaps you're not yet a Christian. And I'm so glad that you've come this morning because Jesus wants you to invite you to follow him. Become a believer today. Take a step of faith today. If you are a Christian, then the challenge is to step up and keep going. You are an amazing person, loved by God, and you have been put in a place where you can be a witness for him. These things are written so that you may believe, may continue to believe who Jesus is, that he is the Christ, the Messiah, and that you may have life in his name. Next week, part two, on the greatest day of the feast. Don't miss it. Come back next week. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, and it is a lamp to our feet. It is a guide to our path. And I just want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and just imprint your message on each of our lives today. And we might all take something different from your word today, but may it be the word you want us to take. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us, we pray. That we may be more like you. If you're here this morning, not yet a believer in Jesus, not yet kind of said, yes, Jesus, you're the one. You're the one I'm going to live for. You're the one I'm going to put in the highest place. Then I encourage you to ask Jesus into your life right now. To take that step of faith and believe that he is who he says he is. That he died for you and that he rose from the dead to give eternal life to all who would confess him as savior. The Bible tells us that when we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we're saved. Because it's all about him. And for those of us, Lord, who are following you and seeking to follow you day by day, we ask for strength, courage, and boldness to go on for you whether at work tomorrow, home tomorrow, school, college, wherever we are, where else would we go? But use us to make a difference where we are. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.